Welcome to Snape Chat, the voice of the Snapedom, the podcast where we discuss all things Snape, always. Join us as we dive into the world of the bravest man we ever knew in art, fanfic, meta, and more. This is Snape-centric with episode 13, our Rickmania episode. Listen in as we discuss Alan Rickman and his legacy as the original Snape. This is Snape Centric. I'm here with Megs. Hello. Dan Puff. Hi. And our special guest, Jalapeno Eye Popper. Howdy, all. You can call me Hal. Yay. <laughs> okay. Well, our topic today is Alan Rickman. We're going to be releasing this on his birthday, February 21st. And we're just going to talk about him and what a great job he did portraying Snape and so on. Here we go. Okay. I'll tell you, the first time I saw Alan was in Truly Madly Deeply, and I didn't really go, oh my God, at the time I thought, oh, this is such a wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. I love the movie. And he was great in it. I just didn't, I think I was fixated on a different actor So at the time. <laughs> so. Well, that, that was 1990. So it was more than 10 years before that first Harry Potter film. Mm -hmm. Um, It was one of his first roles. Um, His first movie role was 1988 with Die Hard. So that was still very early in Alan's career. So what are your all's first memory of seeing him? The two big ones that stand out to me is, of course, Galaxy Quest, like as a kid. I never knew it was him. Like it wasn't until later on when I saw like Snape and Alan and and him in other movies that I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> him because the whole time he's got the crazy makeup on and whatever and which was so I love that movie to death even you know today and then what is it Sense and Sensibility I think is one that I yeah I watched a ton I love period pieces so the whole time watching that film when she's like basically turning him down I'm like he's obviously the best guy you could ever have <laughs> like just like obviously, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. so yeah so I you know that he's he's gorgeous and period pieces and all of that and I just I love him in that way (laughs) I think mine was probably Galaxy Quest or Die Hard I remember watching both of those movies a lot growing up but it was again you know having a better appreciation for him after the Harry Potter films but this was all you know I was so young so it wasn't like I was really paying much mind to particular actors or characters being that young I was just like oh what a good movie and then being so Harry Potter obsessed once those films came out and being as Snape obsessed as I was obviously at that point anytime I saw even a glimpse of Alan Rickman in anything I was like yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I I also started loving movies when I was very very young and and it started with my dad and he much preferred action movies so I got to see Alan originally typecast as the villain so Die Hard Robin Hood Prince of Thieves those kind of roles. And then on my own, I saw Truly Madly Deeply, which was around, you know, that, those early times. I think Prince of Thieves was 1991. So he snuck Truly Madly Deeply right in between those two villain roles. And that gave me the like, whoa, he can do just about anything. And then he kept proving it over and over again. He has done action, comedy, drama, romance, the hero, the villain, the romantic lead, every supporting role. The last movie I saw before the Harry Potter films with him was Dogma, which came out two years before the first Harry Potter movie. And it just seemed like it was the obvious choice to me um, when they announced that he was going to play Snape. I was like, oh, that snark and support we saw in Dogma is just perfect for the role of Snape. 
It was perfect in Dogma. That's another one I love a lot. <laughs> it's funny. I, I didn't see Die Hard till like a year ago. Really? Oh. I, I was already, you know, I've been an Allen fan for several years now, but I was kind of saving that because I'm not a big fan of action movies. But yeah, it was worth it just watching it for him, of course. He's so... Um, sexy <laughs> I mean, yes he's sexy that's right. <laughs> he has a presence that really lends itself to those villain roles I wasn't surprised at all that he was a little bit typecast into those in the early days and then it also lends itself well to those period pieces like you said Mags he is great in those yeah he can adapt just about anything and and that also lends itself to the master spy that he had to play for eight movies yes <laughs> mm-hmm <laughs> At first, I was like, what? <laughs> Goodness, Megs, why are we here? <laughs> okay. Well, I will mention one thing. You've probably heard this before, Hal, but he was in a play called Liaison Dangerous, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And there was a review that said everybody left that play wanting to have sex. <laughs> All the women wanted to have sex with Alan Rickman. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> it's that presence. He's got this major appeal and it's it's in his skill and like the visual of him. It's it's this whole package that is just extremely appealing. I have a bunch of quotes from some of my fellow Rick Maniacs um, regarding that appeal, actually. <laughs> Ooh, can't wait. So here is one from Rick Maniac, Reinica Fox who some of you might also recognize from artwork in the fandom. In my opinion, there won't be a better actor to portray Severus Snape. He gave him so much character through his trademark eyebrow raise, his voice, and his amazing body control. My favorite thing to do while rewatching the films is look at Alan while his role isn't the center of attention. The little things he does are hilarious and with a great addition to his character. And then also Rick Maniac, Snapientia, says, I love how he uses his hands. They're just extra neurotic movements that make him mysterious and suggest there's so much more going on in his head than what he reveals. So those are those are some of those aspects that make him so attractive and give him that presence. And we just we notice the little things about him that all add up to this amazingly um, appealing package. Yes, I failed to mention before, Hal is the administrator of the Rick Maniacs server on Discord. Yeah, we do watch parties just about every week and we're called Rick Maniac Review. I think we'll have a link to that in the notes, probably. Yes, we'll have links. So there will be links. Okay, so strangely enough, Alan was not the first one who was asked to play the role. Really? They offered it to Tim Roth. Hmm. It would have brought a whole different interpretation and obviously not as good, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is mm-hmm. I mean, I can see it. I can see it. Huh. It, it turns mm-hmm. out that JKR or JRK, if you feel that way, yes, <laughs> actually did want him, wanted Alan. So it was kind of kismet that that Tim turned it down and we are all so much the better for it, right? Thank goodness. (laughs) So I don't know much about Tim Ross. Um, Do we know how old he is? Because I think that might, yeah, that might segue nicely into the fact that Alan is so much older than Snape. And that is an interesting topic of discussion with his portrayal of Snape. And that's often a, a point made when other people fan cast some other actors for Snape. He was 50 something uh, when he did the first 
um, Harry Potter film. And Snape was supposed to be like 31 years old. So that's a whole generation different. And I put the note down as aging up the marauders because that happened to then basically that whole generation. And anyone who just saw the films and didn't read the books might not have made that connection. Even reading the books, it can be an easy thing to overlook that these are, you know, characters are supposed to be in their 30s being played by characters in their 50s. Yeah. Tim Roth was born in 1961. Okay. So about the same age as yeah. Lupin, as um, David Thewlis. And let's see. Oh, yes. My theory, I have this theory that J.K.R. had her fan cast and she picked some of the, the best actors, you know, in the 90s when she was. So Alan would have been much younger then and Maggie Smith and, you know, so on. I think another part of it would be, especially if you're looking at like James and Lily, like it might be a little too much especially for a younger audience thinking about say someone's 21 year old parents being murdered as opposed to someone's 30 40 year old parents there's something just really sad about how young they were in the first war but then also going through the books themselves or even like the movies you know they were so young like that's so young 31 having been a teacher for a decade already and then being in your 30s going back to spying and then eventually supposedly dying um (laughs) like that's it hits a lot harder it sounds bad to say but it's true like it's a lot sadder for people and it hits a lot harder realizing just how young they were and the word i would use is tragic it's yeah (laughs) the, the tragedy of that generation is that basically none of them grew up or had the chance to. Obviously, some literally died, and like Sirius was stuck in Azkaban, and Remus was God knows where outside of polite society, and Snape was stuck at this school, <laughs> not really seeing the world at large for 10 months out of the year. And he was traumatized, which kind of kept him in a from maturing more, I think. Okay. So, in terms of keeping him from maturing. (laughs) One thing that comes up as a common difference between book and movie Snape is that it seems like Alan lent a sort of calmness to Snape that we don't necessarily, doesn't jive as well with the books. Um, I have more quotes from my Rickmaniacs <laughs> um, from Frau Bay. She says, my favorite scene is that first potions class that Harry is in. Alan's mannerisms and voice are truly bewitching. You can see his classical theater training on full display and his voice carries the mood of the scene. His lines are pure poetry, definitely not the gross, mean, raging potions master from the books. He's a polished, severe instructor, like the potions master out of a fairy tale, larger than life and captivating. Similarly, Amelia says, I think he was a bit too calm. Snape at times in the book was quite loud and opinionated. Uh, She and I both agree that there's a missing piece at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. I think some of you might know what I'm talking about, that Mm -hmm. he explodes with rage and trauma in that infirmary, and we just don't get that at all in the films. I recently read Lori Kim's Snape, A Definitive Reading, and her analysis of the third book is it just kept convincing me over and over again that we may as well have called uh, Prisoner of Azkaban Severus Snape and the year-long traumatic flashback. (laughs) That was... No! (laughs) No! 
no. Yeah, because uh-huh. just over and over it, if reading it in hindsight, you get a totally different perspective. Like the Bogart scene, knowing that back history, it reads completely different than the first time when you're on Harry's side and you're seeing this injustice toward Neville and you're like, yeah, get Snape, put him in that dress. And then you're like, oh gosh, that was probably just encouraging a whole new generation to join in on some Snape bashing. So then that that whole year is like that. So yes, he's definitely made him more likable, I think, which knowing the hate that's out there now, I think that's probably a good thing that people watching the movies are not going to get as deep into analysis as the uh, readers are. Yeah. One thing I've noticed lately, because I'm on Reddit a lot, arguing with Snaders all the time, and um, I'll notice they'll They'll bash us for for liking Snape. And specifically one that comes up a lot is you only like Snape because of Alan Rickman. And I'm like, okay, well, A, not necessarily true, but B, if it is true, who who cares? So what? Like Alan is great. Of course you love him because of Alan. <laughs> like, um, premise denied. <laughs> I love Alan because of Snape. That's what really twigged me on some. Yeah, I just don't understand. I don't understand people. <laughs> nope. Yeah, that's all I, yeah, I don't know. Why do I don't, you care? Why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Like things. Just let us like what we like, geez. <laughs> let us hate what we hate, geez. <laughs> that is not the opinion we want roaming around, Meg. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Equal opportunity. Yeah, no. Just, yeah, don't be mean. Don't, don't hate yes. people. <laughs> Hate them in private. (laughs) Well, I think one thing that a lot of us Snape lovers appreciate is actually digging into those traumas that we've kind of hit on here and trying to find some extra meaning and maybe you're trying to relate to that side of it. I got one more quote from a Rick Maniac. I promise this is the last one. (laughs) They're great. We love them. Uh, this uh, This is from Arion. He said, Alan mentioned in an interview that he asked for more buttons on the wardrobe. And I think that it's a great interpretation that those buttons, especially on the pant legs, may be a trauma response to the day James Potter launched him into the air and traumatized him with his trousers down. Wow. Isn't that good? Yeah. So we don't know if that's exactly Alan's thought line, thought process in requesting that, but it would be the sort of thing that would show how observant he was and how much of a method actor he was that he would really get into the head of that character and try to figure out those little details yeah my bra my mind <laughs> broke like that's wow that's really wow that's amazing that's so cool yeah and i think whatever the reason it's just really interesting that you know knowing that he cared so much about that character to be that particular and to think outside the box and want to do more with him even if it's just something as simple as more buttons. I want to take two more hours to get dressed every every day. <laughs> That's my me time. <laughs> yeah. No wonder he didn't bother to change when he was running up those stairs and gobble uh, of fire. Right. Still in his bed clothes because yes. it would take too long to button everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they're wizards. They have magic. They should be able to button a bunch of buttons. Even with magic, that's two minutes too long. I know. Right. Two minutes. Yeah, two minutes too long. Not when he has unruly students to catch. We talk about borrowing some of his traits for fan works. Like um, Mm -hmm. a lot of those quotes I just had talked about his voice 
in his hands and um, his his magnetic <laughs> presence. And we often borrow those things for our fan works. Fan works. I do talk about his velvet voice of the gods in a couple of mine. <laughs> it's, a, it's just one thing that, that adds some uh, immediate immersion to those of us who 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 have seen that portrayal of Snape and and love it so much. I think also. A lot of folks will make Snape very tall in their fan works, um, when in the book it's not necessarily that he's that tall. There's a scene where it suggests that Sirius was like towering over him, and there's an original picture in, from Marie Grand Prix of, of Snape being very much shorter than Sirius. But Alan is six foot two, so it comes across in our fan works that he is quite tall. See, I never thought about Snape's like canonical like book height, just because I don't think it was ever really hammered in on as being important. But I do generally think of him as tall because Nate, I don't know that I ever thought about where it came from, but it makes sense that it would be because of Alan Rickman. Yeah, for me, it definitely was the fact of reading these books at the same age of the characters and you having that evil teacher looming over you. Like, I just pictured a really tall, aggressive presence that just you're like cowering under and it just kind of translated throughout the rest of it. And it's funny because I see Alan and even though he is tall, surrounded by all these other people, I never thought that he was like extra tall. I don't know. I don't know. I actually looked this up once that... um actors in general are roughly an inch and inch and a half taller than the general population. I went and, went and looked that up one time because I was like, why, why does everybody look so tall? <laughs> and especially the, the male actors, like, where are my small boys? <laughs> They're not there. <laughs> yes. We have Dan yeah, Radcliffe. Yep. The end. <laughs> Which that also, like, not to be too shippy, but you know, I do ship snare. Always like yeah. Harry yeah. tall Snape, and now I'm like, well, that makes yeah. sense. I never thought about yeah. it, but <laughs> and it's like, like I love the movies, but I don't like. I've read the book so much more, so I never think about the movies being as lodged in my head as apparently they are. <laughs> Well, right. it was a subtle thing. I had to go hunting for these. That there's only two places in the books where it really comes up. Otherwise, you're right. It's kind of this looming presence that he feels bigger than he is. But there's a point where Sirius is in like face in his face, and they're having a little standoff. And yes, he's taller than him. And there's also a point in Order of the Phoenix when they're I think it's during the Occlumency lessons that Harry kind of fights back. And we realize that Harry is just as tall as Snape, and he's you know 15 ah. years old. So mm-hmm. it's. <laughs> One of those one of those moments that I'm like, oh, there's that little detail that he's not this looming giant of a teacher. He's just a normal dude. And we just think of him as larger than life. And partly because Alan is. <laughs> right. Yeah. That makes sense. And the voice is another big thing. Like that is one thing. I'm like, I don't care that it wasn't mentioned in the books that he has the voice of God. He, he just does. He just does. I will take <laughs> that to my grave. <laughs> I can never imagine Severus not having that voice. Same. It's true. <laughs> when I read fic, I put different faces on them all the time, but the voice is pretty much always, yes, Alan Rickman's. And I like that you mentioned the hands too, because I don't, that's another thing where I was like, how, did I ever pay much mind to Alan Rickman's hands? But I always have this like hand fascination with Snape. It's like, oh, he's very skilled with his hands. He's always doing things. He has such elegant hands. Apparently the movie stuck out more than I thought because mm-hmm. those are all <laughs> that I love in fic, yeah. that I write in fic, but I never connected the dots except for the voice just being the obvious one. And I think you also mentioned Dogma as one of your favorites. 
Yeah. And there's that really beautiful scene at the end where the Metatron puts his hand on Bethany and that's that shot is filled with Alan Rickman's hand. And uh, it is so, so impactful that I think that moment, it really affected how I view Alan and every subsequent role since I saw it. That makes me want to go rewatch that movie. <laughs> I know what I'm doing after this. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else from Alan's portrayal that we see a lot in fanfic? Since apparently I didn't catch all of them. Well, probably his nose, because not necessarily he doesn't necessarily have a hooked nose, but he has a very unique, like recognizable nose. So sometimes you can see even if the face is slightly tweaked, when you see that nose, you're like, okay, Alan's in that versus just having like a very severe pointed hooked nose character and fan art and things like that. And I know a lot of like writers, if they're being like more forgiving of his appearance, it'll be like, They'll use like softer words where it's like he's got a very prominent yeah. nose. It's very <laughs> elegant. Yes, yes. Or a Roman yes. aquiline yeah. kind of nose. Yes. It looked like it had been broken and no healer was available. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen Roman nose used very recently, but I definitely saw it a lot in like older figs. So yeah, I see that. So I wonder if that's where that came from, you know, if we're being more forgiving of his appearance and not wanting it to be so harsh if you would borrow more from Alan than the book descriptions. Interesting. I guess there's the overall handsomeness is that, mm-hmm. yes, he, he is more mm-hmm. visually appealing than perhaps Book Snape is. Of course, it's hard to tell because of the hairy lens. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Snape greasily greased through the greasy hallway with all his grease. <laughs> well, and this appears to be a deliberate choice by Rowling that early in the series, he describes Snape in less than flattering terms. And the more it goes on, the less he even looks at Snape as a matter of appearance so much as actions. So I, I know we don't generally give Harry a lot of credit <laughs> for being observant, but there seems to be a subconscious acknowledgement that he's not just this greasy hook-nosed professor, that he's actually doing things and not not just some caricature. See, so speaking of Alan's features, maybe we should talk about other portrayals of Snape. We often think, well, he was he is Snape, but there are also a couple of fan works in video format, like a very Potter musical you can find on YouTube. There's also also one called Severus Snape and the Marauders, which is a fan film, which is like shortly after their school days. And there's cosplayers on TikTok. And um, then there's my favorite, which is uh, the Potter Puppet Pals. <laughs> yes. That, that will always be my Snape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. The voice actor, Neil Cicerega, I think is his name. He did the voice work and the episode called Snape's Diary. It's very funny and tongue in cheek, but I feel like you can hear that like despair in and it's it's dialed up to 11, but it's still there. And I really like that one. So it does come back to that voice, but I can still picture other voices than just Alan's because Neil's hit me hard back in the early 2000s. Yeah, and I think that's why people love the A Very Potter musical version because it's like it's so extra and opposite of what we know Snape to be. And so for him to just come, I mean, he's still swooping in, like he's still his big presence, but then all of a sudden you're just like, wait a minute, what? Like this is, I just, it's so good. The facial expressions, the the, the voice, it's just so over the top and it's absolutely 
amazing. And I probably love it more because I love Snape so much. It's like when you know a character and how they're supposed to be and who they are. And then when someone's like obviously doing like a parody commentary on a character, that just makes it all the more enjoyable for someone who's actually invested in that character versus just someone being like, haha, like, hey, they made a funny Snape or whatever. Same with Voldemort. Like that was, I mean, it just, it was amazing. The villains in that in general were just the absolute best. <laughs> and all the heroes were the worst. <laughs> But in a very Potter musical, that was Joe Moses. And yeah, I was I was going to comment. I was like, I don't know that that's a portrayal anyone would just think of as Snape. But he's, he was so over right. the top, but in all the right ways, making it funny. Because he still was trying to do things with his voice, even if it was just, you know, yeah. for fun and to make people laugh. But yeah. mm-hmm. I love a very Potter yeah. musical. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's so much fun. It's good just so, time. So, so good we'll, fun. We'll have links yeah. for all these new. And I just love Severus Snape and the Marauders. Yes. I haven't oh seen that. Gosh. I've only I seen it once, but that. it was really good. I, uh, how should I, he, he's less pretty, I guess. The whole thing feels gritty. Like that's the word I would go with. It's a little more gritty. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like the open, isn't the opening scene, he's like at the pub and yes. drowning his sorrows or whatever. And yeah, yeah, that's it. That kind of sets the tone for the whole thing. Yeah, it's pretty rough, but I think it portrays the marauders a little more accurately than Fanon often does, is that they really just plain go after him just for the hell of it. Yes, we will have links for all these. And I just said that before, so I don't know why I said it again. <laughs> Um, so those are some ones we know of. Does anyone have any wish fan casting um, face claims for Snape? I know I don't really engage in it, but I know Adam Driver comes up a lot. That's yes, yeah, that would be mine. That would, that would be mine. Adam Driver, one hundred percent. A lot of the spaces I'm in with a lot of my friends, we all like Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Brody's good. Because he's like the the long, thin, strong versus Adam Driver definitely has a little bit more of the... I mean, Alan Rickman has more bulk to him in comparison to like seeing that string bean, but you that's know, what I like, character though. I like whatnot, that but... string bean and the... Yeah. You know, yeah. not what everyone would think of as, this is a hot person where there's more like unique... <laughs> well, not that they're not attractive, just... Yeah. Ah, yes, that hot person. <laughs> Just, you know, they're more unique looking. They don't look like everyone else. There's more, like, character to the way they look, which is what I like for Snape, as opposed to your more everyday hot guy, I guess. <laughs> I think we may have stumbled on another trait of Alan's that keeps being lent to Fanon, is that he is big, but he is also, his body type is not that, that string bean. And I think it's kind of unrealistic for somebody who was probably running on stress hormones and potions for several years in a row. Yes. Uh, yes. That, that just seems like, it's a disconnect for me. I do see that a lot in fic, but I do prefer, you know, lanky, skinny guy, as opposed to more bulk up. <laughs> oh, daddy, if there's <laughs> describing your ribs, I'm so into this. <laughs> I shall play music on those ribs. Yeah. No, it's true. I just, yeah, no, absolutely. It's like, oh, there's muscles on him. No, where did those come from? Well, darn. Now that said, Snape can fly. He is 
um, skilled enough in Quidditch to be a ref. And so that suggests there might there might be a physique under those robes. So, yeah. <laughs> Ooh la la. All right, I guess mm-hmm. you put the muscles That's back fair. on. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. a few of them, though. Fine. We'll put some really, yeah, just a few lean, fit. Oh yes, and don't muscles. forget the we'll eight. Just go with that. I do feel like Necessary. that's another scene that we didn't get. I would love, love to see Alan on a broom. <laughs> on a broomstick. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, the visual I have right now, though. Oh gosh, that's so good. Okay, I've got like an extreme right turn. Um, let's get back to Alan, right? <laughs> um, uh, let's Woo! talk about his relationships with the Harry Potter cast. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, so one thing I noted to start to kick that off is that there the cast was really interesting because it's like half the who's who of British actors and half brand new to acting. And there's a whole lot of experienced older actors and a lot of younger inexperienced actors. And, and that mentor mentee dynamic seems to be really special to the HP universe. Yeah. I believe Daniel Radcliffe said that Alan went to all his stage performances, whether they were in London or New York, which, you know, is really touching. That's oh, it's especially sweet because he was busy. Like they were all doing other things too. Alan, I have just a couple. Like he did Love Actually, he did Sweeney Todd. There were other movies he was making at the same time as the Harry Potter movies. So finding time to really support the other actors really shows what kind of guy he was. Yeah, and he was one of those adults that like treated even the kids as equals, like not talking down to them. Like I know, I think in the most recent HB twenty. Emma Watson was going into how like he talked to her like I had purpose or I knew things that I was smart and my thoughts were you know valuable and it just really it inspired them just as much as someone else who would acknowledge like oh your kids have fun whereas he was that one that was just like there and just talked to you like a normal person and listened and was just a presence that everyone loved having having around and I can't remember did was it who was it that was like really excited to be working with Alan? And then there was someone else who like had no idea who he was until like it became obvious that Alan Rickman was as big as he was. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember who was excited. I do remember and I forget who it was, but someone being like, because they were so young that a lot of them couldn't appreciate who it was. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea that it was some big deal. Yeah, it was either Tom or I want to say Tom or Dan, either between the two of them, there was something that one of them was either really excited or had no idea. And when they found out, it was like, oh, man, this big deal. So and that's a cool thing, too, because yeah, you think about it as a kid going in, like you said, I mean, you just you have these super seasoned actors and these super new kids and to these kids, they're just like, oh, they're they're the adults or like, oh, they're playing such and such teacher or whatever, and probably haven't seen any of the other movies that these people have been doing and realize that they've been in a long list of tons and tons of films going into this. Whereas like, yeah, I just it's it sounded like he really made a significant impact on like the culture, I guess you could say, for that over those 10 years or whatever it was that they were working on those. So yeah, that's another th- crazy thing to think about is like it took 10 years to do this. So not only did he start at 55, he ended at 65. So it's like all of these ages up are just continuing to continuing to age up more. And you know, so yeah. I understand that things got sillier on set as as those 10 years progressed, I want to say there was a story of Daniel having a crush on someone and then Alan and Gary busting out a fart machine and making him super embarrassed in front of his crush. Um, and it was almost, 
<laughs> this super like in good fun poking around thing. And they probably had to get over a little bit of intimidation factor. I have another story listed where I think many fans have heard this one that, that Rupert Grint drew a fairly unflattering picture of Alan S. Snape. And he thought he was in big trouble when Alan saw it, but then Alan had him sign it. And he kept it as one of his most treasured <laughs> um, souvenirs from a movie set. <laughs> That's so great. Ah, that's so funny. There's one thing, and we talked a little bit about his that first scene the, where he bottles fans and brews glory. One of the actions he does is he wraps himself in his robe. And, yeah. you know, I saw that once and it's like, oh, my God, he's insecure. And it's like, that's so genius that, oh, yeah. you know, that he brought that to that at that early stage where he had no idea what was what was going on at that time. J.K. Rowling did tell him a little bit about Snape, but that wasn't until after the second movie when he wanted to leave. Is, is that right, Hal? Something like that. I was also thinking about that wrap-up in his robes that there's, it's also a little implication that there are many layers to this man, that it's not, yeah, it's slightly the insecurity and slightly, you know, there's more underneath, there's more inside. He's keeping it all in, buttoned down. and Yep. Secrets and depth and yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, secrets and, okay, so here's another missing scene <laughs> that kind of bugs me because it gets at, at Alan's character, or at Snape's character. The part in the beginning of Half-Blood Prince when they arrive at the school and in the books, Snape kind of rags on Tonks for her changed Patronus. Mm -hmm. That is not in the films. And I feel like that's an important setup to understanding the significance of Snape's dough. Yes. And so there's there's that layer of meaning that, ah, gosh, I wish that was in there. And I do wonder, I, I also think that that would have been a prime uh, place for some snark <laughs> i would have a little would have loved to hear alan's voice kind of ragging on tonks yeah. <laughs> that, that, is, that is that is some fan wish right there <laughs> i'm trying to think like how many instances do we actually see alan kind of get i don't know the only one that stands out to me is when he like catches them in the shrieking shack there's so few instances where i feel like i get that scary snape of him just like exploding at someone it's always very calm and collected and like implied terror you know what I mean it's just like yeah I don't know I feel like like you said there are a few more moments of that he kind of blows up on them in chamber of secrets after they crashed the car into the whomping willow so you can see him and he's like literally snarling at them yeah Oh, yes, that one. Yep. Okay. I was picturing like I could see this, like the camera angle of his face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have been seen. Yeah, but you do miss a lot of that, I think, in the films. Him just like losing it and being outright rude and angry and like losing it a bit. But so I would definitely have wanted to see more of that. <laughs> I mean, I know these movies are already two, two and a half hours long, but. <laughs> Snape is such an integral character to the series that I think we could have done with just a little more of him and a little less of like the wide panning shots. <laughs> like that's that's one thing I think. I get that they couldn't keep everything, but I was like, of course Snape wouldn't hurt anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I get they wanted that movie money, but seriously, the Harry Potter series needs to be a TV show. I mean, especially nowadays, you see it like the things that they're coming out with that are movie quality, like every, you think of like the Mandalorian or, I mean, there's so many things that are out, The Witcher and even Game of Thrones. Wheel of Time now too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I get that they 
wanted to jump on that back then. It made sense. The movies are great for what they are. But I would not be mad if they did, did an actual series because there is so many of those little things, especially we get we'd get nothing of use in Half-Blood Prince. Like, really. Harry doesn't see any of the proper memories. He just has this sixth sense of knowing where the Horcruxes are in the, like, eighth movie. And it's just, like, it's the weirdest thing. I just, yeah, I, um, there's just so much missed opportunity for all of them to really be expanded on, for sure. Like, especially with the movies, I'm like, you guys had Alan Rickman. What were you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's wasted on you. I wish they could have at least filmed some of those deleted scenes that I mean that would have been so neat to see if they had at least recorded some of those things so this does lead me back to my Rick Maniacs one more time (laughs) because I gave them a little opinion survey before coming on and um, I asked which one is your favorite Harry Potter film and there were lots of different reasons for it some of it was about what was covered in each film and of the people who responded we all picked different films there was Chamber of Secrets, there was Half-Blood Prince, like every one of us had a different answer. Of course, I I think uh, one of them, Amelia picked a Harry Potter sequel <laughs> as her favorite Harry Potter film. And I allowed it because, uh, right, I think I was the one who said, you know, my favorite is actually Wizard People, Dear Reader, which is a voice narration parody. And it's very hard to find now because, you know, Warner Brothers doesn't like that. Um, so, and and even then, like, I, I don't feel like I'm missing Alan's experience entirely because I can see him the whole time. I'm just missing the voice because it's a voiceover narration. But yeah, that's that's an interesting thing that I thought of thinking about, like, what's missing from these films? Where were the missed opportunities? And we're, we're picking up the slack a little bit in fandom. So... There are these other chances to to get more Snape or more content that fills in the gaps. And that's why I'm here. That's that's why I'm in the fandom at all, is I feel like there was so much potential and we have more to find, more to create and more to enjoy. Yeah, obviously. I mean, goodness, (laughs) we've been here a long time. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff out there. (laughs) Ready for some film recs? Oh, yep. Ooh, I have a question, actually. What is each of your favorite Alan moment in the movies? Like, what do you, what do you think is your favorite Alan scene or line or anything? I actually asked this in that opinion survey, and a couple people told me, uh, this needs some digging, or do I really have to pick a favorite? <laughs> and, and yeah. I think the shipper in me would have to say the occlumency lessons. <laughs> but if I'm thinking, okay, take take your ship out of it. Okay, think of something that's not that. I don't know, maybe like the opening, you know, potions class or even that scene in Chamber of Secrets where he's like fussing at them because that was so fun. It's so, you know, capturing the essence of like book state. So maybe that scene of Chamber of Secrets where he's like fussing at Harry and Ron for crafting the Whomping Blow <laughs> and Occlumency lessons for the obvious reasons. <laughs> I did manage to pick one for my answer on the survey. I picked the werewolf scene in Prisoner of Azkaban where Snape oh, puts yeah. his body between the children and oh, the wolf. Yes. Um, I've heard from, yeah. The children and, mm-hmm. I was, I was going to say that because you get to see him being furious at these kids, like immediately just being like, the fuck are you thinking? Like coming out here and then all of a sudden it happens and all of a sudden he's like protector. Like you would not anticipate him giving a shit. You know what I mean? Like immediately blocking them 100% 
with his body is just that that flip of a switch of showing that compassionate nature that we didn't know was there and the, i mean and everyone's just terrified so it's not like the kids even think about it like what the heck is you know what is snape doing he's just instantly like i have to protect the kids and honestly you think about his character written in he's protecting harry the whole time he has the probably Harry's best interest in heart over Dumbledore or anyone else like that's his his priority and goal so I could see him being that person that however prickly he is on the outside he might stab you with words but I don't think he would want genuine harm to become you know to come on to like anyone you know what I mean like it's just so I loved I loved that because it just was it was two seconds it was just like he's just so mad at them and then he's like instant Flip the switch to to mama bear protection mode. And yeah, I loved that. I loved him kind of in general in Prisoner of Azkaban, probably because of the reasons I think Hall said that it was like, it was his torture journey. You know what I mean? Of like experience all these things and even just his run-ins with Lupin and just all these, him being disregarded of his opinions and why, you know, he was there and everything and trying to catch Sirius. It just, I think that was when we really started to see him as more than just the evil teacher guy, you know, the like adversary of Harry Potter that's just, you know, that that quote unquote villain. So yeah, that's that's exactly why I picked that scene is because I keep hearing that story from other fans. And even the most casual fans will point to that as the, the scene that made them go, huh, Snape might actually be a good guy. And that's, that's so powerful that that is clearly my favorite scene. Yeah, I feel like someone else, i.e. Wormtail, he would hide behind children. You know what I mean? Like he would hide behind children. I mean, heck, he turned into a rat and ran away. And yet Snape was like, stay away from these kids. You know what I mean? So that shows a lot for his character. Despite having had an encounter with that werewolf, that, that is the thing that really sticks out to me is he was specifically traumatized by an experience with that werewolf and still put his body between the wolf and the children. You know, I think Book Snape would have done that had he thought of it, just because that it really showed Snape there. Because he was unconscious the whole time, right? Like they they knocked him unconscious and then they he banged his head on like <laughs> the wall and stuff as they were dragging him out of like the tunnel or whatever. And I do like the scene in Prisoner also where he catches Harry. I think it's after hours and he's got the map and he's like always strutting around like your father. Reveal your secrets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Like, I don't even have deep reasons for why I like, like, I'm just like, just his presence and how he goes about things was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you for humoring me, even if it was really difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to choose just because, you know, he is such a good actor and he played such an important character. So it's kind of hard to sit here and be like, here, here. <laughs> <gasps> I I also love just because I love it, but the scene after they discover he's on fire in the first movie and they're like putting it out and then it's it's out and then he flips his hair all dramatically. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's so good. It's like the perfect L'Oreal Snape clip. He's just like, ugh, like I am so drama. Mm-hmm. It's just I love that. It's just all like curtains of hair, curtains of robes, and it's just like he's a whole vibe. It's like the way he moves, the way he hands when he speaks not even just the voice but like the way he talks the way he enunciates things like everything everything about him is just so mesmerizing I guess yeah watching the films again I 
it's like where's snake yeah. <laughs> it's not right from there it's <laughs> mm -hmm. it's kind of tragic yes but it's interesting what was mentioned i think before by one of the rick maniacs was that watching him while he wasn't the center of you know the scene and that makes me want to go back and look at it in that light because it's so true like sometimes there are those characters or actors that are doing things in character that are actually really significant that you don't see because they're not the main focus because they're just there but they're so into the character that it's there that's super fun to actually take the time and stop and be like okay i'm watching this from the snape lens and everything and oh, even just where he looked or who he was addressing or how he was standing or yeah that's that's a really cool concept mm -hmm. i have an example like that i have an example like that that i think i only noticed because i ship uh Snemione. and in the very first film there is the troll scene in the bathroom and snape in that scene you're supposed to be noticing the leg but what i notice is the moment hermione lies to a room full of teachers he kind of looks at her like Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this, mm -hmm. this girl just lied through her teeth at us. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> what is that about? And, and I, I feel like that was a moment when he really saw her. Like he never calls on her. He never interacts with her except to call her insufferable or whatever. But it's, it's that moment where he recognizes that this child is very smart and very ruthless, um, even from the age of 11. And maybe we should watch out for her. <laughs> that is the look. That is what that look says to me. And he could have said something. He could have immediately been like, um, we know you're lying, Granger. Like, and it just, yeah. Or like, yeah. you can't lie to me. <laughs> but of course, he's like, I, you know, like no one can know that I just went off to stop this guy next to me from stealing a stone. Like, oh yeah, troll. Wow. How'd that happen? Like, just... <laughs> Yeah, no, I see that. It's fun. That's so funny that it would be that would be the moment of change for that. Whereas Snary Shippers, we obviously see, like we've talked about a million times, the occlumency when Harry finally sees inside Severus's head and things like that. I mean, obviously, we can go back and do the same thing. But that's really interesting that all of a sudden, he's just like, Oh, you're not just some know it all who's going to follow by the book and and all of that but you're using that smart also in a way that's selfless and yeah, yeah. what what'd y'all think of the prince's tale <laughs> i have um i have doubts uh at its authenticity because that man is a master of mind magic so you can take it at face value if you want to, but I prefer a world where I don't have to accept any hints of Snilly. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just hide under a rock after saying that. It's not that I oppose Snilly entirely. I'm a multi-shipper for Snape. I will see him with everyone. But I feel like I feel like the Prince's Tale was a big letdown for me because I had already read a ton of Snilly fanfic and I I was really disappointed in that during the books. The movies, gosh, it's it's so rapid fire that it's hard to pin it down and really capture what's going on there. But the reason I have doubts, the reason I think it's okay to have doubts about the authenticity is that I don't think Snape could have come up with such a coherent story on his deathbed. Like those memories leaking out, like some people say that like it might have been an accident. It might have been like he just, he needed to know. So he just dumped everything he had. And I'm like, I don't know. The, the story feels too coherent. The prince's tale is too, too, um, it leads you down a road to believe in Snape's redemption. And, and I have doubts that that was not at least curated carefully <laughs> beforehand. You probably would have had a lot of like stray memories in there if it was very chaotic and last minute you'd have like rolled out of bed in the morning. I had soup for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but because of his talent in 
mind magic. Like, I could see him having compartmentalized like what was going to be there to give Harry. You know what I mean? Like just like, oh, I'll file this away over here. Another part of me was, I mean, it would be safer, but part of me was always thinking, it's like, why didn't he like have it, deli- like give it to Harry? You know what I mean? Like it was, a, but of course, then you could lose it. But I could see him definitely having having it ready to go. Yeah, like he's just like, it's here for the time that I need it or whatever. And hopefully I don't need it, you know, because it was just an instance of, I mean, God, thank goodness Harry happens to be there. I mean, what if he wasn't? then so convenient you know what i mean like and that's when the first time we actually see i don't know that we do in the films is alan as desperate as snape is in the books like that's the first time in the books where we see snape start getting nervous yeah you know what i mean i feel like this is another place where it is too calm and even the moment when nagini attacks in the books he screams yes yeah he's like in agony Mm -hmm. like yeah Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm I would have liked to hear Alan scream. <laughs> that, would have, that would have been just fine by me. I, I wanted to get that experience and then didn't get it. Sad. <laughs> yeah, because the whole time he's just like, I promise I can so I can get him. Just let me go. I swear I can go get him. I'll bring him to you. It's like, it's fine. He's going to come. No, no, no. Seriously. Seriously, dude, I'll go get him. It'll be like, just, just let me go get him because I have all these memories, you see, that I need to give him and Dumbledore's going to kill me again when I die. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> If Harry doesn't know, I'm going to have to come back as a ghost, and then I'm going to have to live as a ghost, and it's just going to be terrible. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that would be so sad. Yeah. That's an interesting take, though. He doesn't get to give the memories, so he has unfinished business, so he has to haunt Hogwarts for a while. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling a prompt there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think I talked about it in, I mean, some something somewhere, but I had an idea of that being being a snary, you know, whatever, like him coming back because he never got him the memories. So he had to walk him through and help him defeat. But then he thinks that's his unfinished business so that he can move on. But it isn't. It's, you know, them figuring out that he didn't do it for Lily, he did it for Harry, and that, you know, somehow they would have to be together. Somehow. I don't know. Ghost, yeah, they're totally, you know, ghost boyfriend, whatever, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) I I wrote a fic where, I think it's called The Unfriendly Ghost, where he he accidentally becomes a ghost. He doesn't plan on it. He's just really concerned about getting the memories to um, Harry. (laughs) Who is that guy? (laughs) (laughs) I think he shows up a couple times in the story. Anyway, instead of being able to go to Hogwarts, he's stuck in the Shrieking Shack all by himself. And and Hermione comes up with this solution that she takes books and opens them up for him. So and then changes them every so often. So it's a very sweet story. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, man. That's so, and oh gosh, that's so cute. Yeah, I'll find that and link it. Okay, do we want to talk about, let's see, I'm not sure where we are on the outline. Are we at the- We've been skipping around a little bit. We've been all over the place, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way we tend to operate, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have some specific recommendations for newbies to Alan Rickman. For anybody who enjoyed that Snape performance or didn't enjoy the Snape performance and would like to try out some other Alan Rickman films, I have it broken down by kind of genre-ish because he's done so much. We talked about that from the very beginning that he has done everything. (laughs) So usually when I'm recommending Cold and I don't know you and I just need something to give you that is probably going to do the trick, um, I usually go for his comedies. Dogma and Galaxy Quest are at the top of my list. Dogma is... 
it has a whole lot of his brand of snark that I think is is just super on point. And it's so funny. It's a Kevin Smith film. So every line of dialogue is specifically crafted to be both a, a banger and some homage to another film. So if you're a big film buff in general, Dogma is also really great for that. Galaxy Quest is for the sci-fi nerds and just generally anybody who enjoys some tongue-in-cheek parody kind of stuff. Um, it's highly, I believe they consulted with some major Star Trek fans in order to get this movie made. And it's really great. Um, he plays kind of the Spock-like stand-in, uh, the, the actor who plays it. So he's playing an actor who plays a Spock-like alien. So it's very funny. His kind of rivalry with the character that Tim Allen plays is super good. So those are the two I recommend top with comedies, Dogma and Galaxy Quest. They were both made in 1999. He did both of those films at practically the same time. Look at that guy. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a busy, busy guy. So that's comedy. Romance is my next category. There are two on that one, and it depends on how you want to feel at the end. If you want to be happy and just fangirl over Alan, Sense and Sensibility is your best bet. He plays Colonel Brandon, and there's a line that Emma Thompson delivers that says, he is the kindest and best of men. And it is true. <laughs> so that is that is my top romance. Now, if you're willing to get your um, heart ripped out of your chest, you can go with Truly Madly Deeply. We have mentioned that a couple of times. It's, it is just a beautiful film. He is the lead across uh, Juliet Stevenson, and she is amazing too. Very, very good acting from both of them in this film. That made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, if you're not crying by the end, you're you should watch it again. <laughs> Be more of a masochist. <laughs> so yeah, and those are both 90s films. Truly Madly Deeply was 1990. Sense and Sensibility was 1995. The next category I have is The Great Villain, which I mentioned at the beginning. Those were my introduction to Alan Rickman, which is Die Hard and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I think in Die Hard, he's purposefully a more serious villain trying to do this role very seriously in an action flick. And Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you have to kind of take it with a little tongue in cheek. Like there's a lot of stories about how he took the script and went, that's not good enough and ad-libbed some lines or rewrote some lines. And he delivers them with this, this so like this funny punch. If you've never seen it, you'll start to understand a lot of quotes that people bust out a lot and call off Christmas. I'll cut your heart out with a spoon. Join us or die. This is our tagline at Rickmaniac Review. Um, the one-liners in there are great. Die Hard was his first Hollywood film, 1988, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was 1991, just three years later. Part of Kevin Costner's epics. <laughs> I have a funny story about Robin Hood. I had seen like his scenes on YouTube and, oh, call off Christmas and all that. It's like, oh, that's a funny movie. I'm going to show it to my family. Wow. <laughs> my family in their 60s and 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was like, it is oh, funny. this is a little grim and it's really long. Yep. Yep. It's also it's, violent. Oh, yes. Um, that's, you know, tr trigger warning. There's there's violence. <laughs> but he's so good at it. It's, it's worth, worth the, yeah. I have two more recommendations depending on what you like in a movie. The next one is an emotional drama, Snow Cake from 2006. It's another one he worked on while he was doing the Harry Potter films. 
he stars along with Sigourney Weaver, who plays an adult autistic woman who, and she just does an amazing job. I'm really impressed by this one. There's emotional roller coasters up and down the whole time. He gets a little of his wit out. He plays a character named Alex Hughes, and he is on record saying things like, I feel like this is a character so much like me. So if you really love Alan and you haven't seen Snowcake yet, do it. And if you're new to Alan and you like some drama, you like some emotional, you like something that's almost even a social commentary, there's some supporting roles that really make it a little bit of a social thing about um, how we treat people on the spectrum. So that's a really great one if you want something a little more serious, but still great. Sigourney Weaver, uh, Carrie Ann Moss, it's got a really great cast. Strong recommend. And then the fan favorite, which is again from my Rick Maniacs, um, is Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, 2007. (laughs) Again, a thing he did, yeah, during the Harry Potter films, which I don't know what to say about that exactly. It's a musical, it's over-the-top brutality, it's it's funny and sweet and a little bit weird. <laughs> um, and honestly, <laughs> that's actually a thing about a lot of Alan films. Like the ones I just listed are all very like they fit in those genres. But he also has done a lot of films that are just weird. Um uh, weird. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about this at Rick Maniac Review a few weeks ago, a few months ago, where you have to be really specific when you're requesting something like, oh, you want to watch that Alan Rickman film with some cannibalism in it? Uh, which one? You want to watch that Alan Rickman film with some <laughs> incest in it? Uh, which one? <laughs> That's those are the kind of things that <laughs> he does it all. Yeah, he's done it all. Some of them get really bizarre and and that's okay and great and wonderful. And I love him all the more for it. Well, there's the one where he gets naked, which is, you know, not too bad. <laughs> it's well, actually, it's a terrible yes. movie. <laughs> we get some very zoomed out full frontal in Dark Harbor. Yes. I love that movie. For reasons. Uh, <laughs> reasons. <laughs> I did enjoy that movie for other reasons. It's okay. <laughs> I promise. Uh, Norman Reedus, are you a fan of him? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So did I miss any that you guys would put on your top? Like, if you had to pick a top three Alan Rickman films, did I did I fail to mention one that would have made it? You got my top three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I only, I only call out the, just because I love Love Actually, I just love all the little itty-bitty stories. Mm-hmm. So I love that version of Love, you know, that he portrays, which is, you know, whatever, spoiler alert, like he's the husband that's actually cheating on his wife and the wife finding out because he doesn't give her the gift that she thinks that he will and of course that time you like your heart breaks because you're just like alan dude what like you're alan and she's emma thompson like what are you doing like you guys are what so that was it's very that whole movie has different you know obviously like beautiful and painful things in it i absolutely love that film and that one is just like it's such a it's that that taste of you know christmas isn't always happy and things aren't always perfect even though they look like they are and yeah that was that still i can still feel the sting you know of that one i don't know i i I think this is really cool about him he was himself a one-woman man he was with the same woman from 19 till his death and they were very private about it there was there was not much in the headlines nothing that they they managed to to have a private life which not a lot of actors get to do are we gonna talk about that dang music video (laughs) which one Because he can sing. I I can think of many instances of Alan singing or, oh, um, that's actually. <laughs> so, well, that, okay. <laughs> so 
the one with the him dancing with the girl at the gas station. That's the one I'm thinking of. That you're just like, yeah, we're gonna get Alan Rickman here and just gonna freaking have this romantic tango at a gas station. Oh. Hmm. He has a man of many talents. So is this a fan video or a, a music video? No, it's like a, a like a legitimate music video that some artist, I can't remember her name, put in, I guess, a request to have him dance with her because she thought he would be really sexy dancing with her at a gas station, I guess. So I remember it making its rounds for a short bit. I'd, I'd have to look for it, but I remember finding it and everyone just being like what is this and how did they get him to do this and I think he just was like why not like why not do this so yeah it just shows his adds to all the random weird things he does and doesn't care that he's done certain weird things it's still on YouTube I'll, I'll get us a link for the for the links that's what I love about him though is he obviously he's very talented and can do so much and not only that he can, but is willing to and has such a variety of things that he's done, mm-hmm. whether they're especially um, sophisticated or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, he'll be sorely missed. Oh, yes, we have a few fanfics that Hal dug up for us. Yes, because I was, yeah, I was thinking about how we're all Snape fans here and we all have our preferences for fanfic featuring Snape, but some of us in this crossover of, of Alan fans also might be interested in his other fandoms, characters that are in other fandoms. And I found some some interesting ones. There's actually just not a lot. Um, and even in fandoms where I expected it, like um, Die Hard has several hundred fanfics, but most of them are shipping John McClane with somebody. And there's only like six of them that <laughs> ship uh, Hans Gruber with somebody. And most of those are uh, reader, like Hans reader oh, effects. I mean... Duh. <laughs> and yeah, and that that is kind of what I what I found is that a lot of them are fan service for I want to get with Alan and and their reader inserts, um, which is fine and wonderful. I have I read a few of them. You know, look for my name in the kudos on those if you wrote any of them. Um, <laughs> the uh, the ones I did find to wreck actually came. They're ones I read mostly before because they're writers who have also written Snemiani. So mm-hmm. a lot of the Snemiani and Snary shippers might find other um, fandoms to just branch into. For example, Celery Thesis wrote The First Night We Spent Together, which is for the Truly Madly Deeply fandom. Those who have seen the movie might remember near the end when Nina asks Jamie, you know, tell me about that first night we spent together. And we don't mm-hmm. actually see it on screen. He tells us a little bit about it in the dialogue in that scene. But then Celery Thesis took that and wrote the scene they're talking about. And it's very sweet and it feels very in character. So I really like that. Then I also found some Colonel and Marianne shipping for Sense and Sensibility by DC Fitzpatrick. Um, There are actually six fics. Um, I think two of them are works in progress and the other four are complete. So there's actually quite a bit of Colonel Marianne content for you there. And I have read two of them and they are good. So please, please go check those out. Um, And then that is also what I would recommend in general if you like Snape and you have some favorite authors check their profiles and see if they write for other fandoms because they might have something like that for you. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot, but when you find them, <laughs> it's it's like a treasure, a gift. <laughs> and, yes. and it's it's really great. I am thinking that I might have to write something for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, because I feel like the sheriff is just itching for a marriage law challenge or or a fake relationship or something like that. Yes. <laughs> I, I need my sheriff of Nottingham in a forced marriage fic. <laughs> yes. 
and definitely we need to recommend and we sh- I should have brought it up sometime in an earlier show, but Snape, a definitive reading by Laurie Kim. Yes, I mentioned that earlier. It has this book by book analysis of Snape. So it's book centric. It's not Alan's portrayal, but I feel like it really hits just about every scene and trying to see it from Snape's point of view. So that that helped me especially become a better writer when I write Snape's POV. So whenever I think about Snape's portrayal in the books, whether it's that compared to Alan Rickman's performance or a very Potter musical or, or any other um, fan interpretation of Snape, that is one thing I think of and, and how I can keep him in character and tie it a little more closely to canon. That seems really good. I might have to see about picking that one up. It's uh, $5 for the Kindle edition, and I've also found it in various library ebook borrowing programs. So if you borrow library books through an ebook program, it might be there for you. It's $5 on Apple iBooks too. So if you have Apple, Apple-ness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just ordered an analog copy. That's allowed. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just, maybe it was so, to just support the author because I hardly ever read regular books anymore. I mean, similarly, it's maybe slightly off topic, but I just bought Teddy Ray's Her Minder. And Teddy Ray is the original fan, uh, pen name for who we know in fan fiction as Teddy Radiator. Oh. So if that's a name you recognize from Snemione and uh, Snerius and, and various fics, that's that's a book I bought. I was like, hey, she has original works. Let me support that. Oh, can you shoot me a link? And I'll put it up. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, Teddy Radiator is a very good author. I think we hit every one of my note outline <laughs> items so yay go us yeah. <laughs> okay you have you have works in AO3 as well yeah if you would like to find me online I publish mostly Snape fic over at AO3 under jalapeno underscore I underscore popper and I also have my Rick Maniac Review Discord, so you can find me there and various other servers on Discord. And you can find me arguing with Snaders on Reddit, and <laughs> that's pretty much the extent of that. I don't have, I mean, I have a Twitter and Tumblr, but I don't really use them. I, I try to keep all of my potentially controversial fandom spaces to Reddit. <laughs> that's a place I compartmentalize it. Um, Healthy. <laughs> yeah, 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 gotta have boundaries. <laughs> You're curating your experience. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like that's really important as a Snape fan, because it, sometimes it can feel like a dog pile that that he's a controversial figure in the fandom. And we got to we got to do what makes us what makes us happy and having a good fandom experience. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite as far as one of your works that you feel like you really got Snape, like as far as his like characteristics and portraying him, like when it finally like stuck for you? There are two that I would consider must reads among my works. Um One is a one-shot, 7,000 words, called My Whole Existence is Flawed, which kind of tells you (laughs) thematically what's going on. And it is a song fic um, to to Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Pretty dark. It takes place during, like, Half-Blood Prince to Deathly Hollows. And it's about Snape coping with the dark things he has to do and Hermione helping him out. And it gets a little spicy and it is a tragic ending. So mind the content warnings. But I feel like that was a really good one that that made me feel like, okay, I, I can catch the whole breadth of him. I'm not just a sucker for post-war HEA because that's most of my stuff. <laughs> And, in, and on that note, the other top uh, must read would be Fridays, I'm in Love. Um, you can catch a theme about how I'm inspired by 90s music, right? And, <laughs> um, 
and it's a uh, post-war Snape lives, but talking hurts because, you know, he had his throat torn out by a snake and Hermione is under a lot of pressure and post-traumatic stress from the war. And they're both having nightmares and extra things happen again, mind the content warnings, but it is a, it is a story about coping and hope and, and healing together. Okay. okay. Yes. We'll have links for all these on the notes. So yeah, check them out. You know, oh, yeah, I just thought of a couple that he did that were kind of more obscure. One was called Play, which was part of a series of Samuel Beckett's plays put online. This particular one is called Play. It's three people, two women and one man in urns. It's strange, but they go through this whole, uh, I don't know. It's If you like weird stuff, I don't know. I like it. And... Okay, now the other one is totally, I don't know. This is one of the things I also very much love about Alan is that after being a fan of his since the early 90s, and there's still ones I haven't seen. There's still ones that I haven't even heard of because he had so much range and both on and off the stage, you know, the traditional theater stage, the movie stage, the music video. <laughs> um, he's done some voice work. There's, yeah, it's it's all over the place. And and it really shows how, how much range he had and how very, very talented he was. All right. Well, I do believe we've covered everything and... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at least a lot. Definitely not everything. As we've said, he's done a lot, but we've done pretty good, I'd say. <laughs> I'm sure we will revisit this. Yeah, we, we covered a lot in a very short amount of time. Very efficient. Good work, guys. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me to. Yeah. This has been super fun. And I love talking about Alan and about Snape. And I, I would come back anytime. Thank you. Yes. And thank you so much for, for your notes. and recommendations and links and you did a lot of my work for me actually <laughs> <laughs> i'll follow up too i have some things i wrote down as get her this link so i will i will be on that too awesome all right well thank you very much hal peño popper also known as hal and megs and dan puff thank you for joining me and i'll thank myself now i won't <laughs> <laughs> always okay well Let's all have a good afternoon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This episode marks the one-year anniversary of Snape Chat. It couldn't have happened without the assistance of a lot of people. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you. Oliver Wilde, thanks for setting up this Snape Chat Discord server and all your help and encouragement in those early days. Thanks for Cappy for all their great art and for letting us interview them. Anastasia Cooper, thanks for fixing the audio on our first interview and give me great tips to make the show sound better. Thank you Fallen, Firm, and Beckel and G for appearing on the show. Special thanks to Nix, AKA My Obscure Imaginarium for the interview and especially for setting up our new website. Thank you Pet Genius for your help, especially with my writing. Maria, Thank you for all your wonderful help with everything. You're always there when I need you. Will we die just a little? Thanks for appearing on the show and for your lovely art. Thank you, Megs, for appearing reg regularly and reading your fix on the show and for all the help with the podcast. Dampuff, thanks for the interview and for reading your fix and appearing regularly on the show. Nathan, thank you for appearing 
in the Cuckworth discussion and giving it the British sound. Thanks, Sarah Media Gal, for the interview and discussion. Thank you, Eva Bean, for appearing on the show, along with the interview and letting me read your fic for a holiday episode. Lady Heliotrope, thank you for the interview and discussion. Sneverus Sape, thank you for the lovely interview. Thanks, Bersheeple, for reading your fic for the show. Thanks, Viridian Lee, The Shop is Local, My Chain, and Ms. Adams for letting us read their fix on the show. Zigadinus, thank you for the sparkling conversations. Groot and My Witch, thanks for the lively interview and letting us feature your happy birthday story. Thanks to Jalapeno Eye Popper for being on the show and creating the best outline the show has ever seen. Severusish, thanks for the great research. New friends, Umbrain, Heather Lily, and Snape Sail Tape. Thank you for all your help. If I missed anyone or mispronounced a name, please let me know and I'll fix it on the next show. Most of all, thank you, listeners. Because without you, this would just be a lot of hot air. And here we must say goodbye. We wish we didn't have to, but it hasn't escaped our notice that life isn't fair. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Tumblr and Twitter. Email us or leave a voicemail. We really want to hear from you. Be sure to check out Care of Magical Shippers podcast. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay snarky.